The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. My name is Steven Jodder and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Joining me as always are Monica Fai and Jake Watroba. This week we chat MLS transfers FC Cincinnati with Charlie Hatch and we do this year's first edition of the Counterattack with Jake Watroba. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter, Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. There you can get the latest news, information, and everything you need to know about the show. And if you are listening through any of those podcast apps, go ahead and hit the subscription button wherever that is and give us a five-star rating because we are the best soccer podcast out there. Now, let's get to today's show. Well, Jake, you and I survived the polar vortex. How fantastic was that? Oh, it was great. Although I did take a look at the forecast. It's going to snow five out of the next seven days. So (laughs) I I don't know. I think I might, I think I might want that uh, 50 below zero windshield back instead of dealing with snow for the next week. There you go. And uh, Armand, you are sick once again. I'm a, I feel like I'm always sick. So here I am sick again. Yeah, I played uh, 90 minutes of soccer on Friday, and uh, I guess my body was like, it's a terrible idea, Armand, don't do that again, because I'm feeling sick again. But the caveat to this is I've watched a lot of A-League recently because I haven't been able to sleep until 2 a.m. So lots of uh, Brisbane uh, roar, where their name is, and uh, Melbourne City. That's funny you mentioned that, Armand, because I I also took in uh, an obscure league yesterday morning. I, I watched the Indian Super League. Oh, FC Poon City? Uh, it's Pune. Oh, Pune uh, I, I came to find out, disappointingly, I came to find out it was Pune and not <laughs> <laughs> FC Pune City. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they, uh, sh- I think it was FC Chennai or something like that versus uh, Pune City. So uh, the, the, the Poons came up uh, out on top. So Wait, Pune or Pune? It's Pune, but we're going to keep it Pune. Okay. Yeah, we're going to keep it Pune. There you go. Well, listeners, uh, I know... A lot of you paid attention to the U.S. men's national team. They took on Costa Rica. They won 2-0 Saturday. Now, here is our 30-second abbreviated chat. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, Nice performance. Good goals. Nick Lima looks good. Uh, Go USA. They have uh, clarity with Greg Berhalter at the helm. I really didn't care that much. All right, there you go. And the reason why I, I made Armand do that on the spot is go listen to last week's episode. We do get in-depth 
with Joseph Lowry about the U.S. men's national team and these friendlies. Now, let's get to MLS transfers because that really took the leading charge this past week in U.S. soccer. You guys surprised with the moves that were made this past week? Uh, I, yes. I mean, yeah, I, I 100% was surprised because there was like some moves out of left field where you're sitting there like, oh, like, why is this happening? And there's other moves that happened. You're like, oh, finally this happened. I mean, so many, it, it was a big selling and a big, I think, I don't know if turning point is the right word, but it was a strong trend for MLS in the transfer window in terms of selling their pieces. Uh, there were some moves that didn't really surprise me. Obviously, Miguel Almiron leaving for Newcastle shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, Sebastian uh, Jovinko leaving for Al Hilal. Did I say that right? Yeah, uh, Al Hilal. Come on, uh, man, you got to throw your accent in there. That didn't really surprise me. However, the almost transfer of Luciano Acosta from DC United, that was that was kind of out of left field. I know we were all kind of taken aback by that just because no one had really heard of Acosta being moved or DC looking to move him. And the fact that he was almost went to PSG was just as surprising too. Yeah, so let's talk about Miguel Almiron's move to Newcastle, obviously shattering the previous MLS transfer fee record, upwards of $26, $27 million, depending on which report you read. Almiron in 2017, guys, 31 matches, 9 goals, and 8 assists. In 2018... With his run with Atlanta United to MLS Cup. 37 matches, 13 goals, and 11 assists. Almarone, $27 million, doubles Alfonso Davies' move of 13 mil, which could actually rise to 22 after add ons. Josie Altador, 10 mil. Jack Harrison, 6 mil. And Matt Miazga, 5 mil. Isn't it insane that we finally have a player leave MLS for? A hefty fee versus you know five or six million dollars when that's just chump change in today's transfer market, or like one million, like we like, like oh like oh we'll sell you for five hundred k. It's like one million, twenty seven million. I, I didn't think I didn't think that uh, Atlanta would get that much because Atlanta had no leverage. You, you already signed his replacement. You have to be roster compliant. You have no leverage basically in a situation. Newcastle be like okay, we'll give you we can lowball you and you have to accept it because what you're gonna do. But I guess. They really, they were like, "Hey, we'll get we we could get rid of Barco and send him on loan if we really need to." And Newcastle like, "All right, fine. Like, yeah, I guess we don't have the leverage anymore, so we'll splurge and get Al, Al Marone. I'm interested to see how he'll do because Jake insists that he'll be in the championship next year. But I mean, we'll see if, if they have performances like it did against City midweek. Uh, I, I don't know if we're talking the same thing. I'm not a Newcastle uh, expert by any means. And a matter of fact, I don't even know where they are on the table, actually. I know there's from like it's like five or six points separating was it like thirteenth place from uh eighteenth place or whatever. It sounds like Fulham and Huddersfield are already relegated, basically. Um but I, I, I'm kinda confused <clears throat> as to how he's gonna actually perform at Newcastle given that they're fighting off relegation and Amiron comes from a club that was basically running circles around teams in MLS. And now he's going to go play for a Newcastle team that is probably going to concede 70%, you know, 60 to 70% of possession every, every match. And I'm going to be curious to know how that, or how he's going to, going to play in a system like that. That's a great point, Jake. 
haven't thought about that. Wonderful. Wonderful point, actually. Kind of leads into Benitez's comments here, talking to uh, Sky Sports about the price tag. Quote, it means that we realized that we needed something in this position. Obviously, the offensive players are more expensive. We've been talking about a number 10 for a while, and it's a position that if we bring in someone, it has to be expensive. Now, clearly, I think he's taking a shot at the cheap ownership of Newcastle here, but they spent the money. And if you read further along, quote, but the main thing for me is to forget about the money. We are happy with Almiron? Question mark. Hopefully, we will be happy. He has a potential pace, work rate, and ability to help the team and do something that we didn't have before. There's a lot of weight on this sh- on the shoulders of Miguel Almiron. Fair to say, right? The way Benitez is talking here, price tag, being expensive, playing the number 10 role, talking about his pace, work rate, ability, and the fact that, as Jake just alluded to, they're in a rele- uh, relegation battle. You know, with, Al- with Almiron, though, I mean, when you watch Atlanta play, he could break w- within an instant. If they play counterattacking football, he's the ability he has with his pace and you know his pace on the ball too this guy is so quick he can break on an instant and you know lead a counterattack with some offensive creativity and i don't think that's something newcastle has had um you know watching like the three games i've watched newcastle play hey let me let me jump in here real quick then when you talk about he can hit with his pace and uh everything he can hit teams in the counterattack can miguel amiron play defense i mean Let's be real. Newcastle's probably playing what nine, ten men behind the ball at all times. Is he going to be able to be able to, you know, chase down uh, players with the ball? You know, uh, what I mean his work rate? Jake? In the midf- What's his, that? Uh, his work rate. Like, I mean, if you remember, uh, Tata Martino's system was really demanding in terms of he, he wanted the press and he and Almiron would would if I remember correctly. Remember, this is like you know two months after the MLS season ended, so I'm using my memory. Right here, the you know he would drop back at least into the midfield and at least a little deeper to you know try to retrieve the ball and go from there. Because I mean, Tata Martino's system was really just a pressing system that required everyone to put in you know maximum effort, uh, no matter what. I mean, I think he can, but I, I also mean, would expect that Benitez would make some sort of adjustment uh, in terms of how the team plays. You know, especially when you're going to fit in a 27 million dollar signing. I mean, here here's my thing. It, it's one thing, you know to chase down an opposing player when you're playing Orlando City, right? That's great. Great. Miguel Amaron can do that. He's He can be disruptive in the midfield. It's another thing, though, when you're playing against Liverpool and you have to... I don't even know who's in Liverpool's midfield. Keita Nagby, you see, you see the, <laughs> the number 10 there? I mean, like... But you know what I'm saying. Like, it's 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 one thing to chase down an opposing player on, on Orlando City of, or Orlando City and then, you know, go and do it again. Liverpool too and that's going to be the big question mark for me uh, as it pertains to Miguel Amiron can he can he make a big enough impact on Newcastle and I to be I'm I'm unsure I'm unsure on it to be quite honest Newcastle are in 15th Jake two points clear of the drop on sitting on 24 points Uh, but let's talk about the MLS angle here Atlanta United president Darren Eels quote I think we can say after this transfer window if you're a young player and you're a club in MLS trying to attract a player coming to the prime of his career, you're, you're able to point to Miguel Almiron or Afonso Davies and now say, look, you can come to this league and actually get noticed 
and moved on to top clubs and top leagues in the world. Guys, do we agree with this comment? I would say yes. I mean, with all, all the moves made, I mean, look, you're going to be a special talent no matter what. But with all the moves made, I mean, what? I bet you're asking Al's quota for his podcast, but I mean, Chris Richards moved without playing a single game for FC Dallas. Like he didn't have to play a single game and he moved on to a top team like Bayern Munich. You see Alfonso Davies moving also to Bayern Munich. You see all these young Americans, you know, getting snatched up from academies and stuff like that. Um, I, I feel like if you do, you know, if you do well in MLS, this is a huge, you know, mark, uh, I guess, stamp of approval from other leagues saying, hey, we're watching. I, I think, honestly, I know we're going to get to this a little bit later. The Luciano Acosta move would have been even bigger for this. I mean, it, it fell apart. It would have been even bigger that, hey, like, you know, other teams are legitimately watching you uh, week in and week out as maybe in, uh, as, an, as a reinforcement for the team. And that fee is $27 million. I mean, look, that's not that's not a small, you know, fee. That's a big investment for a side like Newcastle uh, to put into their team. So, I mean, I, I agree with what you was saying. It's, hey, look, come to MLS. Come show out. And if you show out, you could be gone for a nice side. You could be gone to... A, t- a team in the top leagues in Europe. Uh, yes and no. I, I I agree with it to a certain extent. I think this is a good start. I don't think Miguel Miguel Amiron or Alfonso Davies leaving for Bayern Munich and Newcastle United respectively signals now that MLS is now all of a sudden this stepping stone to get to Europe. Now, come on, come on, all you Argentinians, come on, all you Colombians, uh, Paraguayans, come on up to MLS. We'll get you over to Europe in a couple of years. I don't think that's what this means yet. I think you can, judging by how the Luciano Acosta transfer played out, we I don't really know what happened there. If that was, we've kind of heard conflicting reports, you know, where DC United kind of, there there, there was the difference of $1.5 million there. There was that report. There was the other report where PSG kind of, it sounded like they just walked away. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think that this is, is now the, 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 the tip of the iceberg now where MLS is going to just start becoming this league where young South Americans or just young players in general come to, uh, you know, play a year or two and then get on over to Europe. I don't think that's, I don't think we're there yet. I think we still need to see moves like this before we can say MLS has now become a seller's league and a league that is, has become a stepping stone for young talent. I know it's a little too soon to tell. I think it's one player. We, we, we need to see a little bit more. It's the first domino to fall down. It's like David Beckham coming as a DP. Now let's see what follows. Will more players come along? Now this is, I think, a, a, an interesting fact. Five years ago, the average newcomer age in MLS was 27 and a half years old. Now uh, doesn't include draft picks or development academy players. It's 25.24. So, you know, 25 and a quarter years old. So, and, and this is coming from uh, ESPN. Dot com. It's a fantastic s- statistic. They're showing that MLS is growing into this youth moment just before they hit their prime, which gives them the opportunity to make the move. Now, if you're an ownership group, Armand or Jake, does this allow owners to realize, hmm, maybe we should go this route and try to see if we can invest and get a better uh, return on it once they grow one or two years here in the league and then you sell them off for twice the price that we paid for originally? No, uh, I, I don't, I don't think so because you have to look into how much they actually do get. Um, I don't know numbers off the top of my head, but I do know that 
MLS takes three, uh, you get three fourths of the fee while MLS takes the error 25 and then only a specific amount goes towards general allocation money while the rest of the money, you know, goes towards other, you know, just development of the, of the facilities and stuff like that. I, again, I think the incentive is there for one to continue to invest in academies and not necessarily uh, yeah, going after big name players like, or developing players from Argentina. I mean, we do see that, you know, that, Atlanta especially has gone for Pity Martinez with these sizable fees. But if you're the common MLS owner that's not that doesn't have the checkbook of Arthur Blank, you'd rather invest in your academy because you get 100% of those fees compared to getting 75%. And you that 25% could be used, you know, towards again, you know, building a, a second team or a reserve team. I think they said DeAndre Yedlin's uh, fee for the Sounders to help make Sounders too. Uh, this is just off the top of my head. So you have all these things. I would much rather invest in my academy if I am a common MLS owner uh, than go after a player like a Miguel Almarone. Rather would see academy players come up and, you know, be an Alfonso Davies. You get to keep all that fee compared to only getting a certain percentage of it. I agree with Armand. I think it's it's a little bit of risky business to buy players from South America and think that you can, in a year or two, flip them for a profit. I think teams are better off investing in their uh, academies and growing their young American talent and then flipping them over to uh, you know, Germany or England or, or wherever. I, 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 I think that while Miguel Miron was a nice story and they were able to flip them for a profit, I mean, let's be real here. I mean, they could have bought – I mean, it, it could have just been – it could have been just as bad for Atlanta, though, too. They could have invested in Miguel Miron. He didn't pan out, and then all of a sudden – you're sunk. You have, you have a sunk cost there, and it it, it 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 it's a risky bit of business if you think you can buy somebody and then develop them and sell them off for even more than you paid for. You're better off just developing your academy products and, and flipping them. But let's talk about some other moves quickly. After scoring 68 goals in 144 appearances, Sebastian Giovinco is headed to the Middle East to a club I can't pronounce. Al Hilal. Al Hilal. Halal in of Saudi Arabia for two, two and two and a half, three million bucks. Although Giovinco does slam TFC in an Instagram post where he talked about wanting to renew his contract. He's tried. Guys, this is kind of a strange situation. You know, it it, it is. Uh, and my my thoughts on it, I, I felt like this was coming. Uh, you know, your your core of Giovinco Altador. And Bradley is aging and aging really quick. Do you really want to sign Giovinco to uh, a monster deal uh, like he's probably expecting and demanding? And I think Ali Curtis has also came out and said, saying, hey, we offered him a deal to make him one of the highest paid in MLS. Well, that's cool and all, but I know from what we've heard, these these Middle Eastern clubs in the UAE, uh, Saudi and Qatar, they do offer lots of, I guess, Post uh, post playing incentives as well, you know, such as security and you know lots of money uh, after you after you play as well. Look, I think Javinko said it's kind of spin it. I mean, it's kind of like the whole Porzingis thing. Um, you know, in the NBA, you kind of want to spin it and make sure it's 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 in your favor that you know you you don't look like the bad guy. The other guys are like the bad guy because I feel like a lot of people are ripping TFC now uh, for uh, what what they're doing. But I mean, I think the writing was on the wall and. You know what? He's a great player and was a fantastic one, but I, I think it was time to move on, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I agree. He's getting old. He can't be forking over tons of money to an aging star. And like you said, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, that core feels like it's getting older for TFC. And it kind of showed last year as they didn't make the playoffs. And as our Stephen Jodoran has alluded to me through text messages, they will not make the playoffs this year. Don't worry, everybody. I wrote that down so we'd come back to that come uh, October, November. But no, this just, yeah, he had, it, it was time. It was time for him to leave the club. It was time for him to get out of MLS. He, uh, <clears throat> great player in the league, uh, probably the best player to ever play in MLS. So um, unfortunate that there's this, you know, there's this little clash of he said, she said thing going on here with Javinko and the club. But, uh, I mean, TFC, they had to get rid of him. He, it, it was time. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Jake. I mean, it's... Do you guys know just, how old Sebastian Giovinco really is? What is this? Like, 32, born, yeah. 32, unless he was born in, like, the Dominican Republic, where they don't have, like, birth certificates and stuff like that. Well, he's 32 years old. Like, <laughs> so we do know. <laughs> so you do know. But how are you guys calling him old at 32? 32 is not particularly all that old. Hey, man, MLS has become one of the best leagues in the world. You know, uh, 32 is getting The average old. age we... is 25, uh, 20, uh, 25 and 24. I don't know. No, no, that's I not mean, the we're... average age, Armand. That is, that is totally you misreading that statistic. We're becoming, yep. you know, the league's becoming a seller's league now. We okay. we just, okay. this isn't a retirement league, you know? All right, we'll talk yep. about selling league. What happened to Acosta Oman with DC United? Yeah, so this is from The Athletic, from Pablo Maurer. Um, basically, I'm paraphrasing what happened. Uh, we all were, you know, on Twitter. Uh, I think it was, I want to say, like a f- Thursday or Wednesday night when all of a sudden this, this report came out that PSG was targeting Luciano Acosta. To where I think the universal answer uh, I got when I sent the tweet out to some buddies was, what the, you can fill in the blank. Um, just a really weird situation where they're connected, uh, this is according to the article, uh, by an intermediary of the club uh, who said that uh, PSG would go after Acosta for the fee that DC wanted. DC wanted 13 to 50 million. Uh, PSG said nine to about 11 million. There's a little bit of a gap between the two. Um, Luciano Acosta and his agent and the lawyer went to Paris uh, for a physical, and uh, they were there. And then the deal fell apart due to that distance. And according to the article, it says, you know, with Miguel Almiron's deal, that uh, DC United wanted more instead of, uh, you know, the $9 million that was offered. And it was a really surprising situation. I'm honestly really shocked by, you know, first off, DC not being able to agree to a fee for him because I, I think if I remember correctly his contract is expiring at, at the end of the year so I mean if I'm Luciano Costa I'm pretty pissed off that you guys can't negotiate a deal with one of the biggest uh, teams in the world and it's just it, it, it's it's such a bizarre situation that I think this would have been a bigger deal than the Miguel Amaron deal because it really yeah PSG looking at player like Luciano Costa like. That would really put the league on notice. Like, hey, people are paying attention to your talent. And it, well, and, and according to rumors, Armand, he wasn't even uh, PSG wasn't even the only team, big club to be looking at him. Wasn't there Manchester was like, City? I think Man City, I think from an initial yeah, report and clubs. a couple other Premier League teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's odd, and the fact that I mean, we, we we talked about this earlier about is this you know with the Miguel Magrón and Alfonso Davies transfers, is this the the point where MLS can say we 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 send 
we can send kids to Europe now. For as much as we, you know, you can point at those two transfers, you can look at this and say, you know, this is how screwed up MLS is. You know, they they stopped an Acosta transfer over $1.5 million or whatever the, the difference was. I mean, it wasn't much for these billionaire owners, uh, obviously. And I think this, if, you know, for as much as those two were, hey, look at, look at how great MLS is. This is a, one of those uh, potential transfers that can also... Uh, people can point out and say, "Yeah, but this is what all, this is also what MLS can do to you as well." And uh, it, it it's kind of a blemish a little bit on the league right now. Yeah, it's bad luck. I mean, the, the fact that he was in Paris, DC United holding it up, and I mean, they should have sold on him when the opportunity was high because his contract's running out, and it's unlikely that he resigns. It's like, like it, I mean, I wouldn't resign if I was him. No, I mean, like, the likelihood is he's going overseas. The question is where. Maybe they can sell him in the in the window, the summer window, but uh, you know, the price has suddenly dropped because he's a free agent. And yeah, they ain't getting they ain't getting thirteen million for him. Nope. Yeah, there's there's no way. And I mean, it's, MLS players are undervalued to begin with, so that value is going to skyrocket down. But and a final question I actually have for you guys. Um, maybe it's a little too deep for a final question because I know we have a couple minutes left. But how do you feel, you know, we talk about MLS as a selling league. Okay, it's great and all. But the one thing I've noticed is fans are a little pissed off. Hey, your best player is going to be transferred in like one to two years. How do you think that's going to have an impact? Do you think fans need more uh, education? Because, you know, they come from like, you know, they come from uh, different leagues and stuff like that. Uh, You know, the NBA, like that stuff, you know, you transfer your player to another country. You know, none, like none. It's not going to have zero effect. Zero, zero. I'm I'm fine with it. Go if Minnesota United's bringing in players that they can sell in two years. That means Minnesota United's doing something right. So go ahead, flip your players. I don't care. It, 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 <laughs> Armand, the, the soccer education in America is only going to grow. These people are going to know what is happening when they show up at football stadiums or soccer stadiums, and it is a good step in the right direction. I mean, if you're in a small country in Europe and you're not in England or one of the big leagues, you hope your players move on, particularly if they're American. I think if they're American and they make that move, there's even more of an incentive. But we will see if more Americans can make the leap from MLS to, say, the Bundesliga or the Premiership, just like we saw with um, Adams. Tyler Adams of New York Red Bulls. Anyway, listeners, follow us on Twitter, Uncle Sam Soccer Pod, at Armankafai, at Jake Wachoba, at Steven Jodderin. Come back tomorrow. We talk FC Cincinnati with Charlie Hatch. Everyone, my name is Jake Petroba, and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Joining me today is Stephen Jodoran and Armand Kafai. On this episode, we chat FC Cincinnati with Charlie Hatch. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. Make sure you subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts, and also make sure to leave us a review. Now, let's get to today's episode. All right, listeners, let's get straight to it. Joining us on the line is FC Cincinnati Club Reporter. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at CharlieHatch underscore. Charlie, how's it going? 
you guys get did you get hit by the uh, polar vortex or were you traveling with the team i'm actually with the team but i got a message from my parents saying it was negative seven and then it snowed more so uh it looks a lot nicer in florida <laughs> enjoying the preseason huh jealous that is correct i'm trying at least trying to but so so just talk to us about the excitement for the upcoming season finally here with mls after the last several years in usl it's kind of like winning the league now you're getting quote-unquote promoted what, what's the excitement and what's the conversation like within the club yeah i mean it's it's never ending i i think the big mantra basically around the club is there is no off season. If you have a situation where you make it into MLS, you're told roughly around Memorial Day last year. And at that point, you got to start moving forward, planning things from your branding in MLS to jerseys to who are the staff you're going to bring in, the scouts. And what's ended up happening is while the USL season was going on, there's still player recruitment for MLS. Um, Obviously, the expansion draft and then the draft FC Cincinnati was pretty active in. So there hasn't really been any sort of downtime. Uh, And it doesn't help that you essentially – there was one portion where I think in two weeks, 10 players were added, including draft picks. So uh, less than a month away now from the first game. It's a lot of excitement. Uh, There's still a lot of stuff it seems like needs to happen. Um, But there's still – Still time to really take it in before the first home opener on St. Patrick's Day. Charlie, can you give us an idea of what the Cincinnati sports landscape is like? Is is FC Cincinnati something that can rival the Reds, the Bengals, and the Bearcats? Yeah, I, and that's the. I don't know how it's viewed from the outside uh, internally, or at least in the city. It's a strange situation in that. Um, You know, you've always had these two historical teams, the first team in Major League Baseball and the Reds and then obviously the Bengals. And here comes FC Cincinnati. But if you walk around downtown, you go anywhere, you'll see FC Cincinnati stuff, whether it's the old logo, new logo. So it's definitely a place where the team can come in and fit in. Um, They they've been able to find a way to get people whether it's youth, people interested in soccer. The city is getting younger inside of its core. Um, so they are able to fit in. And, again, you have a, a unique perspective where Xavier and UC both have big basketball teams. Um, but FC Cincinnati fits in. There's no situation where it's, oh, how are they going to manage? Um, is this a three-city or three-sport town like Cleveland or something like that? Um, they're all Everyone's getting in. Everyone has its own fan base. And, like I said, you'll see situations where I think FC Cincinnati had more, I think it was higher attendance on average last year than the Reds did. Obviously the Reds played more games, but it gives you an idea that this isn't a situation where it's hot and exciting for a couple of years and fades away. Well, you just, the question before you talked about this transition period where it's been ongoing and there was really no pause. What has been the biggest challenge to overcome transitioning from USL to MLS? I guess it would just depend on whoever, you know, whatever part of the organization it is. Uh, the biggest thing that seemed different is, or at least a lot of people on the outside have said, well, did you bring too many people from USL, things like that? Um, because there were 11 players, including Fatai Lache and Fernando Adi, who are already in MLS. Um, but you look at the team, FC Cincinnati, 
uh, when it was in USL, rather than going with a lot of young players and trying to build that way, kind of like what New York Red Bulls too would do, understandably, the team played for a championship. And so you look at the roster, the 2018 roster that won USL regular season title, and it was stacked with people who were experienced and played professionally either in MLS and other leagues. And so those people are coming up as if it was just kind of like the English championship into the EPL, a natural transition. Um, that is, that's something that kind of slowed e- seamlessly, but at this point it's just trying to bring in the right pieces, getting everyone situated together and then trying to finalize the roster ahead of the first season. Charlie, can you talk about the club's expectations heading into this season? Now, obviously there it's, it's the inaugural season for the club, you know, coming up from USL, there was the short turnaround uh, from USL to MLS but what are the club's expectations heading into the season? Is it kind of playoffs or bust, or is it uh, you know hopefully we just kind of contend for a playoff spot and let the let the chips fall where they may? There has been like a Alan Crouch, the head coach, hasn't come out and said this is what we're going to do and it's this or nothing. Um, he has said you know obviously competing for a championship in general. FC Cincinnati has been a team that has actively pursued championships, whether it's you know, trying to get the Open Cup in 2017, uh, USL, uh, in those regards. So I think coming in with the winning mentality, the fan base is used to winning from the first three seasons. So looking at something where you can make the playoffs, it's definitely something that everyone would like to see. Again, I think it'll be interesting the first couple games of the season or the first 10 games are against nine playoff teams from last year. Um, and so it's basically like seeing, you know, where is this team? How does it stack up against the league? And then what happens from here? It just, because the team's never been in MLS, um, there's no real way to really gauge the team against other MLS clubs until you have those first regular season kickoffs. Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement just to see what type of atmosphere, if the, the club can, you know, take over the city, like you see, and other major league soccer markets. And I think a lot of eyes are pointing to Atlanta. The question is what type of style, how will FC Cincinnati move forward? And you're obviously with a team here in preseason in Florida. Has there been, you know, anything that stood out to you that you would say, Hmm, this could be an interesting player or a tactic that you, we might see going forward throughout the season. Yeah. I think the team has a couple different angles. They've gone, they can go with, uh, the first game that they played against Montreal's 1-1 draw was a 4-3-3. Uh, they beat on Saturday, they beat Colorado Rapids 1-0 using a 3-5-2. Um, they have the depth uh, to do things like that. They have people that can change and rotate. The unique thing about the team is the back line is incredibly solid with people that are proven internationals. And then you look in the midfield and you have someone like Caleb Stanko, who played in Germany, who played a little bit in the Bundesliga, who's 25, he's young, he can come back to America. How will he play? They brought in Alan Cruz, who was playing for the Costa Rican national team yesterday against the U.S. Uh, He's another young guy. He's 22 years old. And then obviously bringing people in like Kendall Waston from Vancouver or Alvis Powell from Portland. Uh, Greg Garza, who's obviously a U.S. international as well. Uh, There's a lot of talent there. There's people who can get forward. This team in general has liked to play out of the back and tries to move forward, uh, attack on the wings when they can. And always, 
always have a good spine. And so you've kind of seen that in terms of the roster recruitment and the people they've brought in. Charlie, where does Frankie Amaya fit into all this? Is Does he figure to be a, a regular in the starting 11 when the season starts, or is, is he going to have to battle it out with some guys to uh, to get into that starting 11? Yeah, they have, I mean, there's no there's no been expectation that's been set on him. Here's what you're going to do. Here's the role you're going to play. When I talk to Frankie, he's like, look, I want to make some appearances. I want to show people why I was the number one pick. The club would like to do that too, obviously. Um, there's, again, there's a decent midfield. It's not necessarily clogged. There's just people trying to figure out their way. Uh, Frankie made his first appearance yesterday or on Saturday against Colorado. He played 10 minutes. Um, so at this point, it's still trying to work him in and seeing where he fits on the roster rather than you're going to play X amount of games or make X amount of appearances from either the bench or starting. Charlie, what is the one player you, Charlie Hatch, are excited to see this upcoming season? One player? Uh, I don't know if I have a specific one. I think there, I think it'd be cool to see which players from the USL team can make it. Uh, there's people that you guys might not necessarily know about, like Hassan uh, Indom has played well in USL with the Red Bulls that they brought in. Uh, I think it'll be cool to see Darren Maddox, who was brought in from DC United, who a lot of people were saying, well, you know, why bring this guy in? You have Hadi, or they haven't did, – how did they play when they were together? Um, previously, he's looked really good in preseason training. There's a guy named Leo Bertoni who came from Young Boys in Switzerland who's looked really good in preseason as well. So seeing those kind of guys, people that can come in, play well in the midfield or and or score goals uh, like Maddox up front would definitely be something that's exciting. And uh, I don't know if it's necessarily something that people around MLS expect, but these are either new faces or people who've been in the league that have a new opportunity to show what they can do. Yeah, Charlie, I would say as a as a fan of a team, uh, um, my team being Minnesota United, I can say in, in the inaugural season, it seemed like the, the greatest contributions uh, they got in that first season were from players that featured with them in the NASL. And then you had a couple uh, of players who were uh, with uh, USL and Kevin Molino. But I want to ask you uh, about this. You, you talked about the draft uh, earlier here in the interview. But I wanted to ask you, what were the team's thoughts on acquiring all of Philadelphia Union's draft picks? Well, you look at that situation and it's, you know, obviously not all the picks were used. Uh, there were picks passed in the uh, third and fourth round. But FC Cincinnati got a deal with LAFC where LAFC said, hey, we'll give you this amount of money uh, that and a first-round pick that happened just before uh, the draft went down. And then there was that uh, later in that day, the trade was announced with Philadelphia. So FC, without trying to justify or explain why teams necessarily did it in this particular way, it was a situation where FC Cincinnati actually made a profit off of the players that or the um, the deals between LAFC and then Philadelphia, and in addition picked up more picks that they could use. So, um, you know that 13th pick they brought Logan Gadula and a fullback from Wake Forest. That's somebody that might not necessarily have been there with their 16th pick, which they ended up giving to Red Bulls. But FC Cincinnati is in a different situation from everyone else, just because you don't have an academy, you don't have homegrowns you can go to. 
And so if this is a way that you can jumpstart that and you can start bringing in younger people that might start playing a role or be part of your core down the road, that's why they went with that route. Um, again, it's completely understandable why everyone's like, well, why would you make that move? But they took the money essentially from one deal and then applied it to another and then got all those picks out of making such a move. Now, Charlie, last question here. How excited is the club to be facing the Columbus crew this upcoming season? Yeah, it'll be fun. They actually play in a couple weeks in Charleston. Um, But, you know, they've played before. They played uh, in the Open Cup in 2017. FC Cincinnati won. That that was cool in itself. And it's cool seeing, you know, there were about a thousand or so Columbus crew fans that came down. And I think during the draft or the expansion process, when everyone was wondering if FC Cincinnati would be getting in, there's also a lot of concern where, how much does Columbus impact FC Cincinnati? Is that something that's actually a thing? Uh, would they take one or, over the other? Uh, the fact that Columbus crew is still around, uh, you know, a lot of people in Cincinnati grew up going to crew games. I had crew season tickets as a kid. Uh, so the fact that they're both being able to play in the same league, that they're able to stick around, that it's a natural rivalry. Uh, the hell is real sign in between the two on Interstate 71 has always been there. So it should be exciting. I think it's ex- it's something to look forward to, the fact that it's in August. And that there's a little bit of a wait. It's kind of frustrating. But it's something that'll, that should last around. Uh, there's no doubt that it should sell out both stadiums. And it should be something that the rest of the country who – Maybe they see it as flyover country or whatever. We'll be able to say, look, that's true passionate rivalry between two teams that are fairly close to one another. Uh, Charlie, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be looking forward to the uh, – I don't know what we're calling it, the Ohio Derby or, or – I, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, please tell our listeners where we can find your work and where we can find you on Twitter and uh, anything else you may want to plug away. Yeah, I will say, uh, so we call it the Hell is Real Derby. That's what the fans called it, and so we're keeping that. Uh, although Columbus Crew haven't actually come out and said anything on their social media, so I don't know what they're going to say. Um, so we'll have we'll have to see what goes down. That's what our club has said. Um, but, yeah, you can follow me with the club at FC Cincinnati, Cincinnati FCCincinnati.com, or on Twitter at Charlie Hatch with an underscore. Wonderful, Charlie. Thanks Thank again you guys for, so much. for joining us here today. And uh, I guess good luck with the preseason and the the season ahead. Thank you, and you guys as well. Thank you. Now, there you have it, inside FC Cincinnati. Uh, Armand, you disagree with the draft picks, and you also said last year they weren't making the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, look, look the, the the picks in the expansion draft and how the roster was built. That to me, it's it's a little interesting. Uh, I do love the pick of Frankie Amaya. I feel like he's almost a homegrown player. You're you're picking up a guy at 18 uh, to to develop. I mean, I think it's a fantastic pick. But I mean, look, maybe if the expanded MLS playoffs, I could be wrong. But I just I, you know, there's so many defensive mids on that team. And you know, re- relying on USL players, I-, I think our boy Jake knows how that how that ends up. Uh, uh, I mean, you get you get you get some good players like Christian Ramirez and Miguel Abara, but I mean, outside outside of that, it's not the greatest way to go. 
I can tell you, and I mentioned this in the interview, I can tell you the greatest contributors to Minnesota United's inaugural season were Christian Ramirez, Miguel Ibarra, Brent Coleman, and I get that he played in MLS for a couple of years prior to joining Minnesota United, but Kevin Molino also, uh, who featured in USL with Orlando City, was also a, a, a pretty big contributor for the Loons. I'm, I don't know why you're so down on them. I, I think that they've done a very smart thing in saying we're going to defend and like Charlie alluded to, they want to play out of the back. We're going to sign a bunch of defenders. We're going to sign some defensive midfielders and we're not going to give up, you know, 70 some odd goals like Minnesota United did their first season. We're going to play defense and we're going to try to grind out some results. And I think they will battle for a playoff spot. And I would not be shocked if they finish sixth or seventh in the East. So we, so we have the same kind of range, right? Like, you have them finishing six, seven. I have them potentially outside looking at eight or nine. Yeah, you in a prior episode said they would finish eight, nine, or ten, and I said no, no, Armand. So, they so, play, so, so playoff bubble. Is that where we're picking? I don't Cincinnati? think a six is is a six seed a, play, a, a bubble team. Yeah, because uh, I, mean, I guess I guess playoff bubble. That I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think there are a lot of people that think because this team hasn't spent thousands of millions of kajillions of dollars on tam gam zam whatever on they have. winger they have. x yeah but they haven't done it on a winger x y and z and they haven't don't, they don't have a uh, attacking midfielder that anyone's heard of and they're relying on usl players that everyone just assumes oh this team is going to be terrible this team's going to be at the bottom of the table with orlando city i don't think so i think that they're going to be strong out of the back they're going to have a spine and they're going to be able to defend and play on the road some because they can defend. And I think that's going to help them in the long run. I don't know. We'll see. I think this team could sneak up on people. This is anytime you play FC Cincinnati, it's a trap game. These are trap games. And they're going to have a pretty substantial home field advantage that a lot of the league is going to get very jealous of very quickly. What's the home field advantage? Turf? No, they're just going to have people (laughs) in their stadium. Uh, shots at half the league. Yeah, put them on blast. <laughs> anyway, listeners, follow us on Twitter, Sam Soccer Pod. If you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, go back. We talked MLS transfers. Giovinco, Almarone, and Acosta, those big three. Silly season. Yeah, silly season. Come back tomorrow. We do the first installment of the counterattack with Jake Watroba. And, uh... New thing here on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. The counterattack is going global. Till next time. Everyone, welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Steven Jodrant. Joining me as always, Jake Watroba and Armand Kafai. On this episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, we do the counterattack with Jake Watroba. If you haven't already, go back and listen to the previous two episodes. We talked about MLS transfers and FC Cincinnati. Go ahead and hit the subscription button, wherever that may be on any podcast platform you listen to. Give us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter, UncSamSoccerPod. Now, let's get to today's episode. Fast-paced, 
Shifty movement. Brilliant skill. It's the counterattack with Jake Watroba. What's going on, everybody? It's counterattack time here on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. We have a plethora of topics, and I mean plethora. I have topics on topics on topics, man. Uh, okay, you guys ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm always ready for a counterattack, Jake. Let's, let's go. This. You're always ready, baby. You're always ready. All right, let's let's dive right in. Let's get going here. Um, first topic up for discussion: Eric Winalda's Las Vegas Lights beat Toronto FC yesterday. Uh, yesterday being Saturday, as we're recording this on a Sunday, uh, five to one. <laughs> I believe TFC's backline was their starters from last year. Give me your thoughts quickly on this complete domination of Las Vegas Lights FC over Toronto FC. Guess what? Toronto's not making the playoffs. And I said that, what, Friday, yesterday, before this result, before Giovinco moved, they're not making the playoffs. So my hot sports take, I think we need to see Las Vegas in MLS. Uh, I think (laughs) they should earn promotion into MLS because, first off, if you all watch the highlights – they, they, they release confetti on the field after every goal. The field is covered in confetti by the end of the game. Yeah, I would be embarrassed if I was a TFC. They look terrible uh, in that game. And, yeah, go Lights. Go Llamas. Go Eric Winalda. Uh, I'm going to make sure, by the way, that we hashtag ProRel for USA in this uh, episode as Armand has now called for it. I want uh, Ted What's-His-Face to retweet this now uh, just because – Armand Kafai is a pro, our, our pro rel uh, correspondent uh, or uh, connoisseur. All right, moving on, moving on here. Uh, we're gonna go international. Our Ooh. boy Neymar. Our boy. Is, He's not our again, boy. You love Neymar. You can't get enough of Neymar, Stephen. Uh, Neymar is hurt once again. He's been ruled out for ten weeks. PSG has a big uh, two-legged fixture with the. Red Hot Red Devils of Manchester United in the round of 16 in the Champions League. Guys, is PSG in trouble? Yes, 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 yes. Well, they didn't get Luciano Acosta. And I think that would have been the X factor for them, uh, especially with <laughs> Neymar being out. So I, I don't give them a chance. I mean, look, I know they have Mbappe and all these guys, but without Luciano Acosta, they're nothing. So, yeah, there's no way. Honestly, uh... Manchester United, I think, is what nine wins and a draw nine in the wins? last ten or something like yeah, that. It's ridiculous. They've been on fire. They've been and on they, fire. Like, this is not the team PSG wants to play right now. Is the team that's hot now? What Neymar's out ten weeks or so, so we'll see. We'll out see. for a year, basically. If you think about it, it's pretty terrible. All right, let's uh, let's go back. Let's do a little MLS with a little international here. Uh, former Manchester United midfielder Nani or Nani, however you say it, has interest in co- uh, in coming to MLS. However, ESPN's Jeff Carlisle is reporting that, according to sources, according to a league source, sorry. Make sure we clarify that, by the way. <laughs> MLS has a 50-50 chance. Of landing the former Man United midfielder. Guys, is Nanny coming to MLS? And two, 
would this be a good signing for the league? Uh, he's in his, what, lower 30s? I thought he was a lot older than that when I looked up his age. I flipped the coin and said, no, he's not coming. Because since it was 50-50. I mean, who doesn't want to live in America? So, I mean, I, would, I would, wouldn't be surprised if he did. I mean, if he comes at the right price, why not? He's he's going to Orlando, fun, too. A fun winger. Orlando, that's where I think oh, he'll end then, up. Oh, I, I feel terrible for him. feel terrible. The, the Orlando is the place where... Uh, careers die? Is, is that careers die. Was? It's where they uh, hand out paychecks to dudes that don't deserve paychecks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this you're right. <laughs> Orlando City seems like the perfect place for Nani to to sign uh, into feature in MLS. Uh, moving on now to uh, Monaco, where they have sacked manager Terry Henry and rehired Leandro Jardim. Guys, should MLS be on Terry Henry's radar? That should have been his first destination, if I'm honest. Should have come to MLS first to get a little prep. I know he was on the Roberto Martinez squad, World Cup squad into the semis. But uh, how funny is it that Monaco rehired the guy they sacked, now have to, I don't know, carry Monaco or limp across the finish line and avoid relegation? It's, uh, yeah, he shouldn't have taken the Monaco. Uh, I mean, it's his boyhood team, so I mean, I don't blame him, but he was absolutely awful. Monaco's in 18th place right now, sitting on 18 points. They're tied with uh, Emmons uh, in 19th place. So, I mean, look, I mean, it's a terrible, terrible start for Henri, but I think he can salvage it by getting either an assistant job somewhere uh, or, you know, maybe you know, maybe an MLS team just like, hey, c- come over, you know, we'll, we'll take you and come sign with us. Armand, real quick, real quick, why is Monaco so bad? Did this team contend for a Champions League trophy a couple years ago? Yeah, that's when they had Mbappe. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what happens when you sell all your best players. You become a selling, selling club, selling league. I mean, look, you're not going to be as good in some years, especially when you get rid of your best players. Now, they got Fabregas now, so it looks like he'll have an impact on them as and well. And he scored. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. Well, I I was always under the assumption that Monaco was just this like developmental uh, haven for young talent. So I I don't know. To me, it's like it's like it's like MLS. Right. Right. I just I guess being 18th in league one is I didn't really expect that from them. But anyway, moving on here. Let's keep it. Let's go back to uh, uh, America here. A little America, a little Germany. Uh, is Tyler Adams the next man in Bundesliga? Uh, Steven pulled out this really, really misleading stat for me to feature here on the <laughs> counterattack. But uh, in terms of Bundesliga minutes since October 1st, 2018 to February 1st, 2019, Tyler Adams has played in a total of 180 minutes while the wonder kid himself, Christian Pulisic, has played a whopping 174 minutes in the Bundesliga for Borussia Dortmund. So, uh, according to this misleading stat, Tyler Adams is better than uh, Pulisic, right? No, no, no. That's not what the question is. Is Tyler Adams the next man in the Bundesliga from the American perspective? And I think it's 100% yes over Josh Sargent and Weston McKinney and all the other Bundes- American Bundesliga players. Uh, I watched Adam's debut, and he looked very comfortable on ball. Didn't look phased by in the moments. Uh, made big plays. Uh, now he's starting again, or he started again this past weekend. 
he is comfortable. I think that's something that's really interesting for a guy, you know, who just came from MLS. He's only 19. He doesn't seem phased by the big moments just yet. I like Adams. I like his composure. And as me and uh, Joseph Lowry talked about last week, we could see him fit in Greg Berhalter's system, as you know, that that wing back that shifts in, that Nick Lima-esque role. So I'm excited to see what Adams does. And I love uh, Leipzig's logo. So we, we know you're excited because I believe a few episodes ago you proclaimed Tyler Adams to be the next N'Golo Conte, I think I, is what you said. I, I don't remember saying that, but if I did, there you go. You stand by it. All right, moving on here. Let's, oh, yeah. uh, let's keep it in the Bundesliga. We have uh, some rumors, probably from a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to dig them up anyways. Weston McKinney has been rumored uh, to potentially, uh, or sorry, Weston McKinney is drawing interest from clubs like Liverpool. Do you see Weston McKinney making a move to England this summer? No. I don't think so. I think he's in a good role with Schalke. Uh, I don't. I don't see him going to Liverpool. I think it's Why? Just, you know, kind of. It's kind of. It's kind of sexy. I think to put an American name linking him with the Premier League team, get the clicks. I think that's that's the sexy thing to do nowadays. Well, that's the easy thing to do, but I don't think it would be good for his career. He's still young, and let him grow with Schalke. Schalke, uh, in the Bundesliga, is a regular. They. They can compete for Champions League play, and the season they've kind of dipped a little bit. But I, I would stay where the minutes are, and then make the move when you're 23, 24, 25. There's no rush for McKinney to get anywhere because he's at Schalke. It's like with Pulisic, there was really no rush for him to get out of Dortmund unless somebody else comes along and takes his minutes away. Uh, I okay. Anyway, I think you saying Schalke is having a bit of an uh, like a a little dip this season is a little bit of an understatement as I think they're in the lower half of the uh, Bundesliga table. All right, let's go to MLS. Wait, 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 wait. Aren't they in the, aren't they in the Champions League though? They might be, but they're like are they playing City? They're playing City they're like, in Champions League, yeah. Yeah, but they're like fourteenth place or something like that in the yeah, Bundesliga well, table. Yeah, it ebbs and flows. Some well, seasons are you know, uh, we don't. 12, well, the facts 12. get in the way of a good season, you know? No, All but right, that's... No, 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 no. Yeah, I, look, they were in the... They're, they're, like they're in sixth place, a little dip, you know? Uh, not 12th or anything crazy like that. No, you can't... You Look, a dip in the season, it's going to happen. Look, look at where Bayern Munich uh, are, by the way. Huh? Yeah, they're going to yeah, win the Bundesliga. I told you. Bayern Munich, in, Bayern Munich in third place. Now, that's a dip, but Schalke... <laughs> In 12th place, that's more of like a... Okay, they, but what do you expect from Schalke? Where do you think they would normally finish? They're not finishing top of the Bundesliga. They're finishing three or four. No, I would say like something, somewhere Five, three, six. And three, yeah, three, three through six, somewhere around there. Not not 12th. Well, Come you, on. Okay, it's, it's plenty of time you, left, and it's one are, season. Oh, you are no. the worst when it comes to the Bundesliga. No, By no, the way, no. Bayern no. Munich hates the Bundesliga. No, I don't you hate are. the Bundesliga. I just think Schalke is having an off season. Uh, and if they beat really City in the Champions League, what are, what are you going to say then? They won't. They won't beat City in the Champions League. Come on, let's move on here. You've, you've said a lot of things that are preposterous. We're moving Bull. on. Bull, We're cutting you off. Bull, put, bull. put the put the put the ball the down. Ten Steven. points right, behind fifth down, place. Steven. I guarantee you. Here, put this in the prediction book. Jake. Oh, oh, prediction right. book. By the way, oh, Schalke finished top seventh in the Bundesliga. This is the guy 
that told me how preposterous it was that Bayern Munich would have any chance of winning the the, the the Bundesliga when they were like 10 points back or whatever the hell it was at Dortmund. And now he's like, hey, hey, hey. They're only ten points back at third place or whatever the hell you just said. Come on, man. They're not Bayern Munich. Come on, Bayern Munich are not winning the league. Historically, they're, they're they've like never six, overcome. They're only this. like six points. They're back. seven they're points, points out, back. and plus, seven. Schalke have an easier road to finish, make up ten points, and Bayern Munich have to make up seven points. You're 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 okay. Let's but, move on. You're ridiculous. Okay, I, can't, I can't deal with you. All right, we're talking about my club. We're talking about Minnesota United. Minnesota United traded $900,000 in Garber Bucks, a.k.a. TAM, to SKC with uh, with the condition of an additional $100,000 of TAM going to SKC if they make the playoffs for center back Ike Opara. It's been uh, well-documented that Minnesota United can't play defense. They are very leaky at the back. They let in a ton of goals. Uh, let's go to Armand first, as he's kind of our MLS guru here. Armand, does this mean Minnesota United will make the playoffs in the West in 2019? I mean, from every pundit that I've been reading, uh, it seems like they all expect Minnesota to make a top four seed. I don't really see that. I can see them, you know, getting into the, that six, that six, seven role. You know, I'm a huge, I guess, I've mentioned six, seven, that six, seven spot like eight times today. But I, I think they can get in there with a solid defense, you know, play like a road, uh, road playoff game. But I don't know if paying 900k for Icopara is the right, uh, specifically the right move. But I mean, it's Manny Lagos and uh, Adrian Heath potentially last year if they don't make the playoffs. So I mean, they got to go all out and they have to do whatever they can to get the right pieces. There's pressure for them to make the playoffs. If they don't, a lot of people will lose their jobs. I mean, what are your thoughts, Jake? Because you're the Minnesota United. Yeah, and if they don't make the playoffs, uh, I could see a huge how or uh, I don't know fire sales. Not not fire sale. I could see a lot of a lot of executives, you know, Adrian Heath, all losing their job if they can't find the way to make the playoffs. Uh, especially Adrian Heath, if they get off to a slow start to start the season, oh he uh, gone, he won't last. He gone, he gone. All right, let's move on here. Uh, this is kind of a controversial one, and I wanted to talk about it with you guys. MLS has denied the loan of Andrew Gutman from Celtic to Nashville SC of the USL. Now, it's been speculated that that move has been blocked because Gutman did not sign a homegrown contract with Chicago Fire. Uh, fellas, what the hell is MLS doing here? They're being dictators. They're controlling, MLS. They're controlling everything. MLS is, uh, for lack of a better word, screwing over one of its potential exp uh, expansion teams and screwing over a young American talent who needs playing time, who probably won't get playing time from Celtic uh, in the get-go uh, because of pettiness. Because, I mean, look, the Fire weren't trying to sign him anyway. The Fire were trying to shop his homegrown rights. They offered him a minimal homegrown deal. Like, you're not going to sign with a team if they're offering you garbage. And from, you know, a buddy of mine, he goes to Indiana. He watches a Gutman play week in and week out. He says he's one of the most, he's one of the better uh, attacking fullbacks. He would have been the number one pick in MLS draft, like by far, from what people have been saying. And you're offering him nothing? Like, come on. That, that's ridiculous. And MLS, th this is a terrible look for a league. You shouldn't be blocking other, uh, you know, loans and stuff happening from other leagues. That's that's stupid. That's such a 
That's such a closed league thing, you know? It is a dictator's mindset. Just Authoritative. It's all the same. Makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's a little ridiculous. All right, let's let's move on here from the BS. Uh, let's uh, let's dip our toes, I guess, into the uh, world of politics, I guess, if you will. Here, um, President Donald Trump. Now, we're not going to get political here. Just prefacing that, so you know, keep your politics aside. Uh, Donald Trump was on, I believe, it was Face the Nation, uh, CBS, uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, and was asked by uh, Margaret Brennan uh, of CBS if if he'd let his son Barron play uh, American football. Uh, President Trump's quote uh, basically said, Barron actually likes to play a lot of soccer. He's liking soccer. A lot of people, including me, thought soccer would probably never make it in this country, but it really is moving forward rapidly. Now, guys, it, it's uh, we're Super Bowl Sunday and we're talking soccer. Is this kind of like a big deal? Uh, yes. I think it's it's a massive deal because Trump is being very honest here where a lot of people are like, ah, I didn't think soccer would make it. But among the youth, among the younger people, yeah, it's very popular. And it's only going to gain more traction. And I'm sure these are comments now that's going to circle the, the soccer Twitter sphere for a while because this is the president of the United States talking about the shift between football and soccer and not allowing he he went on to say how he wouldn't allow Barron to to play football correct uh he said no I don't think he said he wouldn't allow him to I think he said if if Barron wanted to he would allow him to but he did raise the point that football is dangerous and that the football players he's talked to have said they would not let their sons play uh football well, there you go. That that's that's where football and soccer are gonna, going to meet, and you could in in generations to come see a, a bigger shift in the amount of people playing football over soccer. So, do you guys want to hear a fun fact? You all want to hear a fun fact? Yes or no? Yes, sure. So you know, you know, Baron Trump played uh, for DC United as a cadmaster. Uh, he played for their U-12s, and now he's playing uh, for their U-13s. So we might see a future DC United homegrown player, Baron Trump. That'd be pretty, pretty interesting, huh? Uh, it would be uh, oh, very interesting, and yeah, I think it would be. I, I, all I can soccer say writers is, meltdown. I was just gonna say, say that is, every soccer writer in this nation wouldn't know what to do with him or herself. They would all want to blow somebody's brains out. It would be pure frustration. Specifically, their own. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, that is that. That is that's such an interesting thing. Like, could you imagine if Baron Trump was this star academy product, like homegrown, and all of a sudden he's, you know, one of the best midfielders in the in the the pool just for his wait. age group, and he's just, he's featuring in the, in the national team or something. Twenty twenty six World Cup. Yeah, wait for the twenty twenty six World Cup, and then you have Baron Trump in the midfield. Ooh, that would that People would cause some spicy headlines. People, not even the media, but fans, everybody would lose their GD minds if he was <laughs> if he was that good. Oh man, that would be funny. Okay, anyway, that's the end of the counterattack. We've done enough politics, by the way. We're gonna so we're we're gonna someone's gonna be pissed off with us because we think it's funny that Baron Trump would be really good at soccer. Anyway, uh no, make no, sure you follow the What? No, I just think look, if people are gonna attack 
the president's son for playing soccer, then you need to grow up and go do something else with your life. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Especially, I thought that Baron Trump got a lot of BS from people who found out that he was part of the DC United Academy. And I think that you, you know you can have whatever views you want of his father, but at the end of the day, Baron Trump is a 12, 13, 12 or 13-year-old, however old he may be. And for people to be rooting against him to not uh, be a good soccer player or any this any ill will towards him, a child, you know, a young young kid, it's BS. You know, Democrat, Republican, out of politics. Exactly, exactly. So we're gonna we're gonna end on that note. Leave kids out of politics. Make sure, by the way, that if you do have kids, though, they follow the show on Twitter (laughs) at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. Make sure they subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, Spreaker, wherever wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure they have a five-star review and you can mention how we're a uh, douche frat Euro bros. Yeah, make sure your kids... Yeah, yeah that's oh, this exactly This is, I right. think, the most douche frat Euro boy segment that we've done. Yeah, you are 100% correct as uh, the uh, official douche bro frat Euro snob guy on this podcast, Steven. You would know. Yep. So. Yeah. Mr. Swiss, I will not, I will not argue otherwise. European soccer is just better than American soccer. You wow, what a hot ah, take! That's, that's, ah, my heart. Ah, all right. Anyway, we're gonna wrap it up here. All right, follow the show on Twitter at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Subscribe where you, uh, you, wherever you get your podcast. Follow Stephen at Stephen Jodaran. Follow Armonkify at Armonkify, and follow. Myself, Jake Watroba, at Jake Watroba. For Steven and Armand, I'm Jake. We will talk to you guys next week. Deuces. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you can save at penfed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms, upscale dining in the grandest payouts now offering stay and play and all in packages including $50 free slot play VIP parking VIP casino access and more book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929 at Arundel Mills must be 21 please play responsibly for help visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER